When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Stephen Hyden, author of Twilight of the Gods, A Journey to the End of Classic Rock, and you are listening to Rock and Roll Archaeology. Welcome to Miss Pamela's Pajama Party, a Pantheon podcast. Music, culture, technology, and rock and roll. And now, Miss Pamela DeMar. Hi, dolls. Come on in. Welcome to Miss Pamela's Pajama Party, a Pantheon podcast. You are about to kick back and relax to the world's most famous groupie, and that's me, and I'm proud of it. So I'll take that title, and I'll tell you briefly what it means, again. A groupie is someone who loves music, loves the bands who make it, wants to hang out with the bands, wants to be as near to them as possible, in any way possible. And just enjoy them, and be amused to them too, as well. And I've written several books, most famously, um, I'm with the band, uh, my first book, but there are four others, and I'm halfway through my sixth now. Isn't that something? I have writing workshops all over the world with my dolls. I call them dolls because I just love them. I give tours of my rock and roll haunts in Hollywood. I'm with the band Rock Tours. And you can find all this out on my website at PamelaDebar.com. And I'm really excited to be part of the Pantheon Podcast Network of rock and roll shows. Keeping it alive, baby. Just a bit of news. You can find all the Pantheon shows now on Spotify, Radio.com, Pandora, and really anywhere you listen to your podcasts. We are growing. All of us at Pantheon love telling the stories about the great moments of rock and roll in a variety of manners. There's something for everybody. So many shows for you, so many flavors to choose from. Yum, yum, yum. Find it all online at pantheonpodcast.com. And what matters the most to us, of course, is if you enjoy what we do here, please head over to pantheonpodcast.com and show it to a pal. Thank you.
today's show features, oh boy, um, someone that looms large in my legend, Nick St. Nicholas, the bass player in Steppenwolf and many other bands, but he was my very first lover, the, some, the someone I decided to give it all up to. And he is so quirky and has so many cool stories and has so much to say that we're probably going to have to have him back. But this is, this is our first hour with Nick St. Nicholas. I hope you enjoy it. dolls i have the most amazing special guest today i am so thrilled to have this guy on my show his name is nick st nicholas and he's formerly of sparrow uh minor birds right uh and of course steppenwolf and several other bands time trust in men everywhere one of my favorite acts in like in the late 60s and in my history, of course, the, those of you who've read I'm with the band, you know how important he is in my history. He is the first person I actually slept with. Let's just put it right out there. Did we sleep? <laughs> Not much, actually. <laughs> yeah, he was the very first. Where were that part of it? Sorry, guys, if you're sleeping. We weren't sleeping that much, really. But anyway... Uh, you know, I, I waited and waited. I held on to my virginity, you know, for this guy right here in my living room right now, 50 years later. So it's always such a thrill to see you, Nick. Well, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be anywhere. <laughs> I'm really glad. I know you've been through some health issues. So yeah. have I. So yeah, have I. Yeah. You know, we're at a certain time in life where these things happen. Yeah. But you've had such an amazing life, right? It was well. I think it is. I, well, it's still amazing, like mine, right? We yeah, don't. We don't stop. It's amazing because you're still alive. Yeah, we're still alive. So many people yeah, have gone. Yes. Yeah. Uh, crazy, lovable moments. Yes. Some, <laughs> some weird, crazy. Can I say t- you dog can, shit? Yes, you can say dog shit. That's one uh, of his favorite terms. Yeah, is dog I mean, shit. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. My pile of dog shit. Well, I want to start kind of back, way back for you, because I'm going to give people a sense of who you are and all the amazing stuff, dog shit you've been through. So, um, are are you from Germany? Did I get that right? Yeah, I was born in Plön, Germany. It's just like uh, about 100 miles from Hamburg. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. And how did you get to America? Oh, Boat. <laughs> okay. All right. How old were you? I was nine. Oh, all right. So your folks decided America was the, the, the best place to be? No. To bring you up? No? No. We're, we're um, 
My dad was being hunted because he was uh, one of those, he was a friend of a friend of a friend of those that tried to bring down Hitler. Oh. And my father was in a Navy and he sided with, he thought it was a great idea to go move forward with it. But the head of the Navy, Raider, was a good friend of my dad's and they, my dad was a fleet commander. Uh-huh. And um, he actually had uh, Hitler on his boat because he had it taken to Denmark, whether you like it or not. Oh. Either you like it or not and get shot. Yeah. If, and so Gee. after the, I don't know this the history. Temp, um, I guess in Valkyrie, mm-hmm. it failed. And so my dad, because of if you know being friends with someone that knew something about what was going on, yeah, that was enough to have them come after you and your family. And so we made a run for it. Wow, on a we boat. To, yeah, on a boat. How long did that boat ride take? <laughs> the boat ride took uh, twelve days. Wow. Was it exciting or scary? Uh, No, it was exciting. Okay, because you weren't aware of all that other Uh, Hitler-type stuff. I didn't know what was that. I thought we were going to Disneyland. (laughs) (laughs) Did you? Yeah. Yeah, actually. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) And you wound up in L.A., huh? No, we wound up in Quebec. Oh, Oh, right, right, of course. And then... yeah. I remember. Um, we took a train to Toronto mm-hmm. and um, went and lived. Uh, we moved in with the Flurries. They had one of those old Al Capone cars. Yeah. One of those black with the running boards on the sides. Yeah. And, Bonnie and, and Clyde cars. Flurry, they were our sponsors. Uh huh. And. I went from living. I had my. I had a beautiful bedroom overlooking a lake with a balcony, and um, beautiful three-story house. And had my friends there that I didn't know I was leaving all of that. Oh. And oh, you thought maybe it was just a vacation. Yeah, living in one small room with five kids (laughs) in one bed. Oh no! On Queen Street. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, the name of the street, Queen Street. That's kind of like the downside of Toronto. Right. But it's like the hood of right. Toronto. Uh-huh. And, um, <laughs> but I didn't mind, you know, it's like we're young, we don't know. Yeah. It's good as long as you yeah. eat, sleep. Yes, exactly. It's good. And how long were you in Canada? Till 1965. Oh, okay. And so you started playing music there, though, right? No. No. My parents thought I was going to end up being a, a nobody because I was hanging out with guys, the Black Diamond Riders. I used to be an usher at a theater, Scarborough Theater, and um, they would come in, like the whole but the group would come in after the manager had left, and I would let him in for free. Because uh-huh. I had the money belt okay. and the tickets. And okay. to me, I didn't see them. Uh-huh. The manager asked me the next day, did you see anybody come in? Nope. 
didn't. <laughs> and um, so, why did you align yourself with them? <clears throat> well, they gave me a ride home from the bus stop. <laughs> I didn't have to take the bus to go home. Okay. And so my parents got all anxious and sent me to back to Germany. Oh. To go to school. Oh. Okay. Instead of bringing my school books, I brought my hockey equipment. Uh huh. <laughs> and ended up playing. For Hamburg, I was 17. Wow, Nick, this and, is stuff I don't know. And so, being a Canadian, they figured all Canadians know how to put the puck in a net. <laughs> right. So, and I did that for them. That's all I did in Canada. They hated school because I used to get beat up for being German. Oh and, no! You know, they kind of blame me for starting World War Two. Right. Yeah. Yes. Didn't. I was only two. <laughs> Right, of course. So, yeah, I was in Germany at 17 and not getting anywhere fast except (laughs) for being on the ice. And my uncle, who was president of the University of Hamburg, Mm -hmm. I stayed at his house and they shipped me back to Toronto. I spent three years trying to get out of the ninth grade. So, so when John Lennon and the Beatles, they had that song, number nine, number nine, I said, shut up. <laughs> number nine. I hate nine. Well, did you wind up ever completing school? Yeah, I did. Oh, I was okay. forces, like child labor. Okay. I had to finish. I got my, I graduated out of high school, and then my mom, she kind of, uh, she thought I was going to be a bum. Like she put a P on the end of bum. I said, it's bum. There's no P on it. I'm not going to be a bump. Like a a speed bump. Oh, no. Mom, you're going to say it. She's working for the trial. She was like the the director of the correspondence courses in the University of Toronto. (laughs) And she said bum wrong. I moved out of the house and moved to Yorkville Village where all the beatniks are hanging out. Mm -hmm. And Joni Mitchell was there. Uh, the band played down there, Levon Helms and the Hawks. Mm-hmm. And um, then <clears throat> I formed the first rock and roll band in uh, Yorkville Village. There's been a lot being written about that place. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, but you know, they forget who started a lot of that stuff down in Toronto. It became the new. Um, the village top, Bob Dylan went and fished out the band. Mm, from there? From there, what? from the village. What? And how do you spell that? Yorkville. Oh, Yorkville, okay. Yeah. Okay. I never heard of that. Is it still a hip and trendy area? No. Like the village in New York? They knocked it down and built these huge uh, uh, commercial buildings and so mm. on. And oh. Changed the landscape and oh. and Gosh, I hate it when that happens. Yeah, they took down, like, uh, Joni Mitchell used to live, like, right next door to me. Mm. Like, mm. we lived in an apartment. Uh-huh. She had, like, door number two, and I died door number three. Did you two get involved? And if two ever <laughs> wanted a C3, yeah. you know, we could go and bump. Did two ever go C3? Well... <laughs> No, I had, I had a, I had a couple of people that moved into my room. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's getting a little crowded in there. 
<laughs> I figured, okay, that's it. You know, no. What was the name of that band? The name of that band was the Minor Birds. Oh, the Minor Birds. That was your first yeah. band. Yeah. And the lead singer was Rick James. The I'm Rick James, super right? Super freak. The Rick James. Yeah, and I found him walking around in a Navy outfit. <laughs> How and did you know he could sing? I didn't. You we just... were practicing. I had a drummer, Rick Cameron, and Ian on guitar, and I played bass, and... Um, Rick walked in. I didn't know his name. Mm-hmm. And he leaned over this like this broad uh, iron, iron balcony and down in a basement. And um, he, he looked over and noticed it wasn't a singer. Mm. He said, uh, I said, I asked him, I said, what songs you know? I didn't ask if he sang, because at that time, the only black people I ever saw were on TV, and they all sang. Wow. So I... Really? There was no black people in Germany, and right. I had never seen... That's incredible. I, I only seen Rick, and there was maybe two or three others. Was, was he Canadian? Uh, no, he was American. What was he doing there? He was AWOL. Oh. <laughs> That's how he joined your band. And he still had his Navy, Navy outfit on him? He had his Navy outfits, but he sang good. Right. <laughs> I figured, wait a minute, this is not going to go over. We're going to have to do something. Um, how about, like, we start off, I get you some new clothes. <laughs> right. You know, get your street clothes, get rid of the Navy outfit, hide it somewhere in a box so you can still have access to it if you ever need to put it on to go in front of a judge when they find you. Wow. So, and then Neil Young joined the band. Right. And, this uh, is an amazing history. So Now, he is Canadian. Right. Neil Young yes. is Canadian, right. yeah. Now, how did he find you, or how did you find him? Uh, we were just down in the... Our village, that he was, you know, just wandering aimlessly, you know, <laughs> gone. Like hippies? Were you hippies already? Somewhere, but, but nowhere. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like a hippie? Yeah, like, yeah. It, it was, yeah, well, we weren't hippies yet. The word We're didn't exist yet? working at it. Okay. <laughs> okay, good. Good. All right, so that's cool. Your first band had Neil Young and Rick James. Yeah. Wow. And um, in the band, like there was a band Sparrow with Jack London and the Sparrow, and they kicked out the lead singer, and they asked me to trade bass players, and I went with the Sparrow, and their bass player went with the Minor Birds. Okay. And I moved on, and we got a deal with Capitol Records. Okay. In Toronto, still in Toronto, okay. In Canada, right. There's a song called "If You Don't Want My Love," and they hit number one. Oh. And. We need to find that and play it. Let's right. play that. If you don't want my love, if you don't want my kiss, I'll get a girl who treats me better than you. Oh, so lovely. 
story than having a number one record and that was when we were still the minor birds I got to remember I got to tell this story we were hired to do well, our managers set it up he looked like a minor bird he had a long neck he had a kind of had that weird minor bird look he sold minor birds that was his thing and he used is that band. how you use the yeah. like where you got the name yeah, for the he band used us, the band he used us to <laughs> you know to just you know, give us some notoriety or like make us uh, shop a little bit more known in the Toronto area. Right. So he figures, well, how I can do it by taking his band, calling the Minor Birds, having them dye their hair black with a little blonde beak thing in the middle, bleached out, and black leather jackets, yellow turtleneck t-shirts mm. with black pants and beetle boots that we dyed yellow. And we got a job outside of town in like a American bandstand show with a bunch of bleachers with a bunch of school kids in there for me after four right. dance hour right. in Oshawa outside uh-huh. of Toronto. And it was all set. We went there in a limo. I mean, I'd never been in a limo until we went to Oshawa. Right. Then in Oshawa, uh, we all got out of the limo, went in a uh, television studio, and they instructed everyone what, as to what to do. Right. And Rick James, of course, singing the song that he hated, is called Minor Bird Hop. <laughs> so, do I have to sing this thing? I, yes. Uh, as part of the agreement. The other song was Oh Minor Bird. It's the flip side, so... No, do the, do the hop thing, all right? Okay, so all these kids are sitting in the stands. They don't know what's going on, except they see this group, you know, dressed in his weird outfits. And then told the guy on camera, says, listen to my cues. Don't keep your eye on the bird. Whatever you do, don't stop filming. Keep your eye on the bird, though. And so this is cool. And they placed the minor bird on Rick's finger, a blind minor bird, which is one of 60 minor birds that could remember to say, hello, Ed Sullivan. Oh. <laughs> hello, Ed Sullivan, because he promised what? that if we did this, we'd get on the Ed Sullivan show. Oh. You know, oh. We're all oh. ears. He was like, oh, oh, this is great. God. What a great. We have to be on the Ed Sullivan show. So with this blind minor bird on Rick's finger, everything's going along well, except the minor birds start pecking. Oh. Rick's finger. Oh, oh. And he said, ah, ah. He made noises. Yes. And he took the finger and flung the bird onto the floor. And, no. Yeah, and the, the camera was on the bird as we started rolling minor bird hop. And the, this guy that looked like a minor bird told the cameraman to take the camera off the bird, but he couldn't hear him because he had the headphones on. And so he kept his camera trained on the bird flapping its wings saying hello it's Sullivan hello it's Sullivan over and over and over and over again all the kids in the bleachers are saying what are we watching what is this while you guys performed the song the camera stayed on the bird because that's what he was told and and then it took him a long time to get to commercial and so half of Canada was watching 
And they don't know what they're watching. Oh, no. I quit after that. Uh, you, you did? Yeah. That's when you traded bands? Yeah, it's a, okay. okay. <laughs> okay, Mr. Minor Bird, that's all I'm going to do. I'm going to take a break. Uh-huh. I'm going to just play in another rock band. Then, uh, while going in transit, David Clayton Thomas, like, he showed up and he asked me if I wanted to be in his band. But I said no, because if uh. you did join his band, he would kill you. He would knock you out if he tried to leave. Oh, that was a fact? Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, you didn't want to do that. You didn't no, want he, that. He beat up the, if he wanted, he beat you up if he wanted to leave his band. I mean, he had a really good band, too. And what were they called again? They were Clay, David Clayton Thomas and the Shays. This is before oh. he ended up with oh. Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Oh, okay. So he had, that was an earlier band of his. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So... So you missed out on that, I guess. Yeah, but then you went to Sparrow. Yeah. Which brought you to the States, right? Well, they kicked out the lead singer, um, Jack London, and the Sparrow, and I needed to find a lead singer, and mm -hmm. I found John Kay at the, at the Night Owl. Okay. And he's playing opening up for Hoyt Axton at $10 a night. And I asked him if he wanted to join a band and sing in a band because I really liked the way he played his blues and so on. He had Karina Karina, Hoochie Coochie Man, going to California. And How old was those, he then? Those, uh, how old was I? Yeah, how old was he? Oh. I'm just, were you about the same age, both of you? Yeah, in 20, 21 mm. now. Yeah. Uh, wow. Young. Somewhat in that area. <laughs> I mean, um, oh. um, I took John Kay. He, he said yes, he would like to try out for the band. And I brought him to the band, but the rest of the guys in the band didn't want him. They had another guy. Mm, so mm -hmm. I fought to have John Kay in the band. Right, good. And, <laughs> and it worked. Yeah. Like, uh, I called him up in an afternoon dance party at a high school and just asked him to come up and do, you know, just sit in with the band. And then the, the drummer that didn't like him really liked him. Mm. So then John Kay had a permanent place in Sparrow. And together we went to New York. Hmm. Okay. Sparrow live long before it became Steppenwolf? And how, how did that take place? Well, we were the Sparrow um, up until 
Like we went did the Columbia Records thing in New York, and then our visas ran out, mm. and then we're all standing there on Tenth and University Avenue, and it was a, I remember it was a sunny day, and we went to the drugstore to have breakfast. Yeah. And then we went outside and stood outside the Albert Hotel, and I drew a line. I see I see that line in the sidewalk. And they they all said yeah. And we were like huddled like a you know like a like a football team huddles before they go out and do a play. Yeah. yeah so we all huddled around to figure out where we were going to go. What are we going to do? Our visas had run out, and we don't have any money. So what did we do? We played a few places around New York, Fifty Fourth Street Avenue, then um, uh, the Barge out in Long Island. And then there was like the management and agency dropped us and said, You guys should get jobs and go back to Canada. <laughs> but we're we're out of here. We're not gonna produce you anymore. You you guys you guys are just gonna have to find your own way. And the William Morris agency dropped us and Management Stan Freeman dropped this. He did, went, did you have a record? Did Sparrow the Sparrow have a record? Yeah, it says "Down Goes Your Love Life" uh-huh. and "Green Bottle Lover." Okay, those are the two songs that didn't go anywhere. They didn't even get in the Hot Hundred. <laughs> oh shoot! And so, so they dropped this. So I drew a line in the sidewalk, and I said, "Okay, for those wanting to go back to Toronto, this is your chance. For those that want to go to L.A." You know, we're Canadians. We have no visa. We're legal. Do you want to do that? And they said, yeah. So we did that. problem is I had to drive the entire distance from New York to Hollywood on enough money for gas, yeah. but not enough money to stay anywhere. So right. it was a continuous one way. <gasps> wow. One, like I, t- I had three trucker's pills that I took. And they keep you <laughs> up for five days. You know, they, pills. Yeah. Speed. Right? Yeah, they sell uppers. Uppers. Mm-hmm. You know, and these are called black beauties. Oh, God, I remember those, of course. Yeah. And so we popped, I, I popped three of those. Like I was <gasps> the only driver. John <laughs> K. can't see. The others had like suspended driver's license or they had DUIs or something. <laughs> Problem and so you did the all the driving. I had to do all the driving. Mars Bonfire, that got wrote born, uh, born to be wild. Uh-huh. He sit in the back. He never even drove a car. He never. <laughs> so I had to do all the driving and sign us into the Tropicana Motel. Once we got oh, to the Hollywood. perfect place. How did you know that was the perfect place? But to John Kay told us because oh. he had been to Los Angeles. Oh, okay. He told us all about Los Angeles. Oh right, and that was in. The next night after being in Hollywood, signing us into the Tropicana Motel, mm-hmm. the thing to do was to take, like, here's your dessert, here's your little disc, here's your little vial, and it's acid. Yeah. And you yeah. take them purple vial yeah. acid Jeez. and <clears throat> start shaking hands with palm trees and, you know, yeah, like tropical plants and stuff. Hi, how are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Somebody come running up and said, hey, you can't do that. You can't be shaking hands with trees and shrubs. You got to <laughs> get back to the Tropicana, you know, before they arrest you for 
being here illegal. Oh, right. But of I had, course. I had booked us into the Whiskey a Go Go. Now, how did you, was it easy to book? Were you still called the Sparrow then? Yeah. When you got to town? Yeah. I, right. did, I did all the booking. I acted as like the bass player and agent. And I would scout out places to play. Mm-hmm. And hmm. the Whiskey was one of them. And I ran at Randy Meisner from the group called The Poor from Nebraska. They were staying there. Mm-hmm. At the Tropicana, oh, so many bands stayed there. Right? So that's how Randy ended up playing with the World Classic Rockers. Oh, because you, know, my now you knew group. him that yeah, because yeah. you knew him that that long ago. My God, what was that? Sixty eight. That was in sixty seven. Sixty seven. Okay. Yeah, and then wow. things got a little tight around Los Angeles and Hollywood. You know, rock stones and bottles and rocks in the streets and people running back and forth to that um I forget the name of the club. Uh where was it? It was uh it wasn't by the whiskey, it was further down Sunset Boulevard. I'll think of it in a minute. I think I know the one you mean. I used to dance there. It looked like inside it was like part of a ship, right? Looked like a ship inside? Oh that yeah, that was I was it wasn't that place, but that we did play that place as, yeah. as time. Oh, you oh. the the band called time. Yes, I know. You've been many many bands. You know, it's because of you. I was a bass player, not you know. My first three lovers, boyfriends, whatever you want to call them, were bass players because of oh. you. You were the first bass player. Okay. Then Chris Hillman yeah. and Noel Redding. Yeah, I'm gonna say no rating. Yes, all bass players. <laughs> yeah, and they often go to hell because they only had four strings. You know, <laughs> well. but I, but then again, I had I should go to hell too. Yes, because I had four strings. That's right, and, and so you still do. I try to get out of the dungeon by adding another string, so I have five strings on my bass. Oh, you do? I do now. D- did you invent that? No, I saw somebody. The Iron Butterfly had oh. a bass player that. Oh. You know he. Jerry. He was. He, yeah, he had. I knew Jerry. I, I looked at him. I said, "Wait a minute! One, two, three, <laughs> four, five string. <laughs> Holy crap! Wow! This is like a new beginning for me. I I want a five string bass. Uh huh. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I went. And, Music store and asked him, "Do you have a fifth string?" Mm-hmm. No. Uh, I give you a set of five. Okay. And you uh, you created it yourself. So yeah, so now I had a five string bass, and of course I had a lead singer in the new band, The Wolf, Lone Wolf, and um, kept thinking that that low east. B string was the E string and kept mixing them up and he's looking over at me you know but it was it was in time and it um you know like it everything fit except was the wrong note oh <laughs> that's not good no so uh okay so uh, the, the sparrow played the whiskey how did that go that went uh great we played uh see we did we played with um, The Doors, Jim Morrison. Mm-hmm. He lived in Laurel Canyon. Yes, remember? I know. Of course, I, I remember that well. I used to see well. him all the time. Uh, we used to hang out in that little grocery store. 
Yep, the Royal Canyon, Canyon. Store, yeah. It's still there, right? Of course. I do yeah. rock and roll tours, and I take everybody to his old house there, and we wind up at the Canyon Store. Yeah, at the Canyon Store. Yeah. And then I remember you having, there was a secret way. If you, if there was a lot of traffic, you could take the, the back road yeah. around the store. Yes, you and could. And come back up on the yep. other side yep. and try to slip in somewhere uh-huh. in a slot. Yep, that's right. Yeah. You still do that. Yeah, you uh-huh. still do that. Yes, <laughs> but not everybody knew about it. It's yes. a little secret. Uh, when so, where were you living? You stayed at the Tropicana, and then you uh, got your own place. When I then, met you, you were living on Hollywood Boulevard. Where we lived, yeah, I, I was living in Hollywood Boulevard, but I was in Time. Ronnie Levin, the right. guy I got. Oh yes, we've got to talk about that. Okay, okay. that's I, very important. But okay. I want to get into the. The, you know, the order of it. So how did Sparrow become Steppenwolf? Well, Sparrow broke up at the place next to the whiskey. Remember that place was? The, the Galaxy. The Galaxy. Broke up there. We broke up and, you know, we said, okay, that's it. We said, we got, we got to take some time off. And I put together that band Time with, um, Bill Richardson, Larry Byram, mm-hmm. and Richard Tapp. And we got um, Ronnie Levin, Bruce Gardner, and um, what was his name? Um, the guy from the studio. Jeff. Jeff Greenberg, yep. the trio. And you called them Pencil, I, huh? Caramba, yeah. and Crazy Horse. You That's always it. had names Karamba, for people. <laughs> Crazy Horse, and the pencil. And the pencil, right. Pencil. And the pencil looked like he was a tall, skinny guy with a long head. Yeah. And that's why you called him Pencil. You yeah. always had your own language, you know, you, and, and a lot of non sequiturs. So it was pretty hard to follow your train of thought. Yeah, even I had a problem. <laughs> but but I was so enthralled with it, the way you spoke and the way you thought, you know, that I wrote that song, The Ooh Ooh Man, about you. Oh, okay. You used to say, ooh, 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 schnit, 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 yeah. all the time. That was a, instead of like, oh, groovy, man, you'd say, ooh, 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 schnit, schnit, schnit. Do you remember yeah, that? I, yeah, I can, I can kind of recall that it reminds me of something. Why don't we play that song right now, The Ooh Ooh Man? That's about you, Nick. Now, how does that feel? How about, do you remember any of those incidents? Like, we were in your amazing XKE. He had the most beautiful car of any rock star in Hollywood. You had a Jaguar XKE. Yeah. Kind of that gold cream color. 
Yeah. Oh, my God. I miss it. I've had dreams about it. And... It, was, it was an amazing car. But we were out one night. I forget where we were going. You you took me to some pretty cool places. Stefanino's, I remember, was our very first dinner date. But anyway, yeah. one night you, you you were behind someone who was slow, and and you said, pick up your big, you put your head out the window and said, pick up your big black shoe and put it on the accelerator. That's the kind of stuff you would just say out of nowhere. Well, when it I just first, was magical to me. When we first got the money to buy that car, yeah. I, I, uh, we had our Rep Foster Associates was on Beverly Drive. Oh, I remember and him. So um, I took about 20 grand and I had it in my hand. Like I had it like a bunch of $100 bills in my hand and I went car shopping. And I went and stopped at the Rolls-Royce and Jaguar dealership on Wilshire Boulevard, which uh -huh. was not far away. And I saw the brown Jaguar in the window. And so it was around 5, maybe a little bit after 5. And I walked in, you know, I had the, you know, whatever I was wearing. And this looks pretty amazing tall guy with, uh, you know, kind of a brush cut, you know, uh -huh. come over, and he wasn't a hippie, yeah. and he asked me, like, uh, you, you, you know, we're going to be closing, <laughs> so is there anything I can help you with, yeah, because, we, you know, we're going to be closing, he says, yeah, I'm going to buy that brown Jaguar right there in your window, <laughs> and he said, yeah, I know, <laughs> me too. Excellent. I like to purchase that myself and just, you know, drive around and well that's what I I'm, I'm going to do. I'm going <laughs> to purchase that one and drive around just like you said. But oh, for boy. right now, son, we're closing shop. You got to I said, "Well, I got the money." You know, I know we all have the money, but it's a lot. I said, I have a lot of money. <laughs> I had a big wad sticking out of my pocket. And I said, and I pulled it out and I showed him the money. I mm -hmm. said, I, I, want, I want to buy that car now. I said, well, we're ready. We want to stay open. That's what we got to do. <laughs> we are going to stay open. Well, we're like, we're like, I guess it's, I got the wrong days mixed up. <laughs> Tonight, today, we're staying open. You want to buy that car? Let's see. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't put that money away. Just put it right there. Well, I haven't bought the car yet. That's, that's okay. Let's, let's trade, okay? Let's sit down and let's work this out. So you, you drove it out. So, yeah. So uh, <laughs> I didn't, I couldn't drive it out because it had to be, road ready it had it they had oh. to get into it and oh. test it out and get it all set up and i said can i pick it up tomorrow afternoon just i think so i think we can work it out so that you can drive it out tomorrow afternoon you can oh. come in afternoon like after 12 noon okay that that sounds good and so I did. I showed up at like one minute after 12. <laughs> yeah. I was actually outside at 11.30. <laughs> and, 
It was a beautiful car. Yeah, and then so oh and they God. brought it out and they said, "Here you are." And the guy hands me the keys and I said, "Thank you." And I drove off and down to Pacific Coast Highway. Oh. And and I was feeling like a million bucks. I, was, I, I said, bet. "Is this this is rock and roll? This yes. is this is playing music and riding around in this thing." Oh my God! I said, ah, I said, play a little bit of Jimi Hendrix, you know. I had, oh. had a tape, and I turned it way up. It's booming, and I'm doing about seventy miles an hour on, on Pacific Coast Highway. <clears throat> and I noticed. I looked in the mirror. I couldn't help it, but this thing was really shining up. <laughs> it was like, boom! Wow, like red lights. <laughs> and I was just, oh shit! I think that that's a sign to pull over I think like look around I'm the only car out there I guess it's, it's me they want so I pulled over and stopped and uh, rolled up the windows and just turned up the radio a little bit and this guy I see him oh no he's getting out the, fl- the lights is still on and this big old guy gets out of the car out of his police car, and he comes over and he puts his head in the window. I see his big, it's like a pumpkin head. You know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> he's knocking. And I said, oh, shit. You know, I'm listening to Jimi Hendrix, man. And uh, <laughs> so okay. um, I rolled down the window halfway and, and I turned down the music a little bit. And um, through that little opening in the window, uh, I I ordered a a, a cheeseburger with uh, French fries <laughs> and some uh, ketchup and a Coke. <laughs> I bet he liked and that. He said, "What?" His face got all red and puffy. <laughs> And he put his arm through that slot that I had opened enough to talk through. And I saw his arm coming in and grabbing my jacket and pulling me, <laughs> trying to pull me out of that <clears throat> opening. And then I, I said, this fucking thing's got a door. You know, uh, let, let me open the door. And he said, okay, so I opened the door and got out and he says, Put your hands in the car. I said, oh, that's okay. a terrible way to start your first day with your car. Okay, then. Uh, you know, because he's leafing through the that little, he had that little pad, and he's like, that's what I thought. He looked like a car hop, you know, like at the burger place. <laughs> so oh, I says, uh, uh, uh. I could take you in for this. I says, no, don't take me in for this or that. <laughs> he said, I'll speak. Do I'll, I'll do the ticket, but you know it's my first time, which is God, you know, blah blah oh, blah. Yeah, you and, explained. Uh, he, he, but he let me go and, and um, gave the ticket to Reb Foster. Oh, and then they now, took care of it. Was he managing you at the time? He yeah. was a real nut, you know. I'm sure you were. We were aware of that. Oh yeah, that whole group: Bert Jacobs and Bill Utley. I didn't. I just Reb knew Foster. Reb for briefly. God, he was really a nutcase. So tell me, there's a segue here that I'm not sure what happened. Were you ever in Steppenwolf? Um, Or did you go from 
that sparrow to time? No, or, I went from time, that's right, from sparrow to time. And then John and them had recorded all the songs that we had worked on for the last three years being the Sparrow. Right. But they hired a bass player to come <gasps> in for the bass parts, John Murray rushed in. Why was he angry at you or something? Or had you no, left? No, the band had... You left already. The, the, yeah, <clears throat> I had a new band, Time, and we got a huge I remember that huge deal. I know, and I remember. I never seen a penny of it. I was one of... Except you got the car. Got the car, but that was with... Uh, that was with Steppenwolf. Oh. Yeah. So oh. I had gone. Oh, my God. Because I never understood exactly the okay. order of that. But the Galaxy Band Breaks Up, Sparrow. Right. Yeah. Then me, Nick, <laughs> goes and puts together a band called Time. Trust in men the everywhere. three guys left in Steppenwolf to God, uh, Dennis Edmonton, Mars Bond, also known as Mars Bonfire, oh. wrote Born to be Wild. Right. And um, started, he didn't want to play in a band, so they got Michael Monarch. I found Michael. Yeah. And I cast that whole band. Of each, huh. None of the guys knew each other, but it didn't matter. They were all in the same band, so that, then they knew each other. Um, or were get they to know upset each other. when you left the band? Uh, well, they they were they were, you know, angry at the facts that you know I decided to put another band together called Time. Yeah, and we got that big advance. Yeah, and uh, Artie Rip was involved, and um, I can't remember what happened to the airplay on the song "Take Me Along," but for some reason they used to fight. After every time we got together, the three of them, Jeff and Ron Levin and um, Bruce Garden, be out in the hallway fighting over the money that was supposed to be going to us. Oh. We're supposed to have, like, be part ownership of that cash. This <laughs> that was a lot of cash. It was like $500,000. Yeah, I remember and this so whole time. This is when I was hanging out with you. Yeah, and so, I saw Time play at the Daisy Club. Remember, in a couple other places. Yeah, and I I spent a lot of time with you and and Bruce and well, Crazy Horse Carumba and the Pencil. Now, yeah. what happened to them eventually? It was some horrible thing. Didn't he wind up getting murdered? The Pencil. Well, the Pencil <laughs> took the money from Carumba and oh. and um. The, so he wound up getting the money somehow. Somehow the money they fought over. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's what happens. The in the timeline, this is like jumping uh, ahead. Would be that I got they saw me playing for the Mighty Clouds of Joy was the opening group. Yeah. And then time played, and John K. Goldie and Jerry Edmonton came in, and they saw uh, that I was, you know playing bass for them and they cornered me and asked me to come back with the band and they call it Steppenwolf. Oh, okay. So they hadn't done their first tour yet. So um, I, at that time, was so tired of the management fighting over nickels and dimes and big bucks. And um, I just decided to go with Steppenwolf, the, the group that I was uh, 
familiar that, with that, that, that I grew up started. with in yeah. Toronto. <laughs> yeah. And especially since, yeah, like I basically, you know, um, put all the created. pieces together yeah, for Yeah, you created Steppenwolf. that, yeah. So yeah. you went back with them. Yeah, Now, went back what with albums them. did you play on? I played uh, on uh, Stepmove at Your Birthday Party, the Monster album. Uh, we did Born to be Wild on the album performed at uh, Santa Monica Civic. Mm-hmm. And then there was, they released, I can't believe they did that, they released an album that we recorded as Sparrow as mm. and called it New Steppenwolf. Oh. Early Steppenwolf. Oh. And that was recorded in the Matrix under a piano on a Roberts two track tape recorder. And it came out. Wow. And it came out and they released it and they somebody sold and they they uh fixed it up in the studio. Oh. And uh, made it sound like half listenable. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of junk on there. But, oh, that's uh, rude. It was fun, fun junk, and it was, uh. any hippie would understand it. <laughs> and he would have to take drugs to really get behind it. Yeah. And, uh. um, well, okay, what is your favorite song? Because we, we want to hear that. We're going to uh, play Trippin it. Trippin' in the Sunshine? No, the, no, the, no. The, with Steppenwolf with on Steppenwolf. the Monster album. Um, that would be like the Monster said it all. It was like we were at war with Vietnam. And we're fighting uh, to try to get placement in those that fought along the same lines as what we were doing. So it's trying to give the soldiers support in Vietnam. Wow, really? That's really different. Almost like an anti-protest song. Yeah, like we were, we were, like we called the monster was the government was the monsters reaching okay. out and creating all these unnecessary battles mm-hmm. all over the yeah. world. Yeah. And um and we were against that. We had that monster if you look at the album, it's a bunch of mice carrying rifles going up and down mm-hmm. a hill and stuff. Uh-huh. And um so that was uh the one album that uh, that stood out in the cover for that monster album was done on Pacific Coast Highway. You know that section of Pacific Highway that goes up? It looks like a beach. Somebody's like, what did God do here? Like he put a beach on a slant. <laughs> I don't quite know that spot. Did you know that what no, they're talking about? No. It's a big, huge, sandy spot. I guess it's years and years of like wind-driven sand uh-huh. That couldn't. That was. That was be the last place it could go. Would be in that cove, right? And, um, up against <gasps> the cliffs of that. You know that. Well, it's not a mountain. It's just like a tall big you know, rock. The, I think I rock. know the one you mean. I think I do. Yeah. Yeah. In Santa pe- Monica, people like yeah. They 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 stop their cars and then they try to go up the beach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like on a slant. <laughs> so anyway, I'm gonna hear that song. The religious, the hunter and mirror 
Chasing the promise of freedom and hope Came to this country to build a new vision Far from the riches of kingdom and gold Like a Christian some would burn the witches Later some got slaves to gather riches But still We did most of the music in the studio, and then John came in after we laid down all the tracks and did his vocal mm-hmm. vocals on top of laid and mixing the vocals in with the tracks, and that was it. And I guess everybody really liked it a lot. And um, so Steppenwolf uh, went on to do like a number of uh, like tours and stuff yeah, all over the yeah. country went I'm to sure. europe uh, hawaii went everywhere um denmark norway sweden um went to uh played in london uh, then um we did that wembley stadium mm-hmm. cool i remember that date because i think 10 years after it was on the show, and I'm trying to remember, Cream was on it, and at that time, everybody still brought their own amplifiers. Everybody stacks their amplifiers. You were the, you you were great if you had a lot of amplifiers. Right, right. All so, stacked up like a wall, right? Yeah. So we had like these walls, and it, and it was a huge stage, and um, we had our own little wall with it was like a city. <laughs> up on stage, yeah. you know, they, what happened? Uh, playing down here, and then John, I couldn't see John, or I couldn't, I could see Jerry, but I couldn't see John, and I couldn't see Goldie, and I saw Michael Monarch, you know. But then there's all these amplifiers in the way, so then Jerry, like his thousands, just a lot of people, yeah, and um, and they start they. They counted the song, and we we went into two different songs. Oh, the, 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 the two were, people that I couldn't didn't see yet. We forgot. <laughs> that was the only like we That's did funny. Magic Carpet Ride and the Pusher at the same time. <laughs> I wish I'd been there for that. Yeah, so oh. like, we're plowing along to see who was louder, <laughs> what song would prevail, and. <laughs> Well, that's excellent. And finally, you know, like I, I took a little walk around this one building, and looked at Johnny, and he's, you know, like <laughs> biting the air. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, so we finally were able to curb the thing and form it into the pusher, and uh, <laughs> so on we went. That's excellent. Yeah, that was that was great, and he few hundred thousand people they're probably wondering well they were all stoned anyway well, they, they were all stoned oh and my they, god they, they, they accepted were. everything as long as there was a sound you know coming out at roll them. around yeah. in their own head yeah for sure i want to go like, back to time a little bit because i do want to play a couple of these okay. songs okay now my favorite's tripping into sunshine tripping into sunshine okay did you y- yeah help write that i, I penned that 
that was uh, one of the songs that I brought to the group. Well, I want to hear that. Steppenwolf uh, <laughs> broke up again and uh-huh. again and again. Yes, I know you guys over did. Over I know. And over again. I you kept know, like track. Different, different people, like, and it's, you don't know who Steppenwolf out of. I think at one time Steve Green, an agent out of Phoenix, put out five different Steppenwolves, and he was collecting money on all oh. of them. Oh. And so it got, <laughs> it got kind of crazy. But uh, when, when did it finally? I was in the one with Goldie McJohn. Yeah. And I had uh, Ken Henry in the band. Do you remember mm. him? Ken no. Henry, he was in the For Ladies Only. Oh. And uh, we were playing Indianapolis. And in Indianapolis, we played there on a, this, this uh, venue on a Friday and Saturday night. We played it Friday night. And then we went back to our motel that following the concert and parties and all that good stuff. And I'm in my room on the bottom floor, and it was about 8 o'clock in the morning, and I was fast asleep, and all of a sudden, boom, crash. Uh, This guy come flying into my room like a Superman. He had a helmet, and um, he was just like one of those uh, guys that, you know, trying out to be an outlaw's prospect. They call him. Oh, yeah? I don't know and, about that. Yeah, he, he broke any this glass all over the place. And then there's the window shades still, still still moving. And he's on the foot of the bed picking himself up, picking the glass out of his skin. And he's trying to straighten out his helmet and his glasses. And I'm laying in bed. And... I'm looking at what I'm looking at, him doing yes. that. And yes. I look at the time. I look over and see the clock. It's like five after eight. Yeah. Five minutes after eight. I said, um, I don't know what's going on, but uh, could you come back like at nine? <laughs> <laughs> that is, is so you. This is really early. <laughs> Holy shit. This is, this is really early. I, you always it's, had the most unique way of thinking, Nick. It's like, you, you know, you need to get dressed. <laughs> oh, jeez. You guys, I'm, I'm not kidding you. Uh, oh, man. So I got dressed, and I went with him out the door. Window still broken. Room left as is. Took my keys. Went down the hallway, down the stairs. And it's a cement parking lot. And down, down in the parking lot was two outlaws sitting there in the front seat 
and the prospect and me had to get in the back seat. I don't know what this is, outlaws. I don't know. It's a kidnapping. Oh. oh. <laughs> they kidnapped me. They did? <laughs> what? They kidnapped me. Yeah? For for what? Ransom? I didn't know. I said, uh, <laughs> you know, you guys, I, I think I seen, recognized one of you at the show last night. Is mm. that Am I right? And they said, well, we were there last night. Yeah, we plan on going tonight. Depends on how things are going. <laughs> and I said, depends on how things are going. Okay. Okay, well, great. So we drove to the outskirts of town. It's a greenhouse on a large, long, green lawn. Like it's like a golf course lawn. Yeah. But there's a fence, a, a chaining fence on one side of this lawn. And there's a big ghetto area right across the freeway. And they're telling me that every now and then they get one of them. This is like, this is like, not right or something. Yeah. <laughs> and we got, you know, like in the old black and white cowboy movies, they would have the scouts and the Indians, and all the Indians would form a circle around the lead Indian and the scout. Yeah. And they would start talking sign language and <laughs> smoking a peace pipe and this and that and whatever. That's the kind of surrounding I got into. There's a long line of silver bikes all in a row neatly placed yes. and then there's bodies like that hadn't woken up yet and some were sitting up and some of them were lying down hadn't got up yet but they got up when they heard the noise that they got somebody they oh. hit they got a fish they went they went and they got me wow they went, they went and got me they they, yes. they showed up and they, they chose all, you for some reason yeah so they all get up and then they form this big circle around me and the head guy over there, the leader of the outlaws and um and he says to me he looks at me they're all there they're all bearded up you know like hell's angels looking yeah okay this is, this is the outlaws <laughs> okay. they, they hate the angels they hate, angels hate oh, the outlaws okay i wasn't familiar with them so the guy says he probably wondering why we brought you here. No. <laughs> I wasn't wondering at all. I'm here. You're here. We're together. You know? This, this party. Well, he says, no, not so fast. He says, you got to beat one of us in horseshoes to get back to the hotel. Then we'll take you back. Did I, this really happen? Yeah, I said, <laughs> you're, you gotta be kidding, right? This is so him too, I'm telling yeah, you. This, this is, is Nick this Nicholas, Nicholas right here. I have here. to play horseshoes. To, that's my ticket back to the hotel so I can play that night, tonight, Saturday night. And uh, they said, well, not so fast. They said, here, they handed me a cold beer. Yeah. Okay, I get the cold beer. <laughs> And a horseshoe, two horseshoes. <laughs> okay, well, let's get her going, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, down the beers. Okay, you're a shot. And they make, they line up, you know, they've exposed the peg on the other end. <laughs> and my first shoe, I swear to God, took one straight up in the air and ended up on the roof because we were that close to the house. 
And oh, I said, dear. Oh, they said, well, we should have brought you suitcases. And now you're going to be here for a while. But little did they know that when I went to camp, I went to YMCA camp for 11 years. And that's all we did is play horseshoes and horseshoes and more shoes. Yes. And so I beat the first guy. He kept throwing, started throwing ringers. And he said, wait, wait, wait a minute. Uh, we have another beer. <laughs> and so then I started throwing more ringers, and I beat the second guy. He says, okay, that's it. Then a guy comes out of the basement of that little house, the little white house on the green lawn, and he has with him two leather armbands with the Monster album and a, a, glass, a deck of cards and a syringe and a, uh, some dice and uh, just a skull, you know, flames yeah. shooting out of the eyes. And so I figured, this is great. This is perfect. How, how, how perfect can it be? This is nice. It's warm. I get, and the guy hands me these two armbands. He says, here. And the name of the guy that gave them to me is Crash. Uh-huh. Crash was in the outlaws, but he just got out of the penitentiary. Okay. So he and was he downstairs. And he was on speed and on some, some drugs making and carving up this leather armbands in the basement <sighs> of the house. And they had, they had this whole thing planned. Wow, Nick. It, that could only happen to you, though. Because I remember the stories you used to tell me that I just couldn't believe. I said, well, he's got an incredibly fanciful imagination, which you do. But these things actually happen to you. These they happened. That's a real wild one. Too bad that you know, no one took photos of that stuff back then. We didn't think about taking pictures, right? Because I'd love yeah. to see images of you throwing those horses. Yeah, that's it. Uh, you know, I'll do a photo shoot anytime. Pitching horseshoes. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the whole video. Here. This is how hippies play horseshoes. <laughs> I want to ask you something. If you remember a, a, a certain thing, when the GTOs played the Shrine Auditorium, you came to that show. Yes, I did. And I was so embarrassed to sing the Ooh Ooh Man, knowing you were there in the audience. I was so uh, shy about it. I was it. there with Randy. Yeah. Well, Randy and I became good friends, as you know. Yeah. Even while you guys were together, and we were all—it was like we were hippies. She yeah. told me to sleep with you while they, while they, while you guys were engaged because she wasn't ready yet. She wasn't ready. Yeah. Well, I tell you, she. <laughs> she I, I said, Randy, I says, follow me, and and I had I, I think that we went down into the dressing room, yeah. and there was. Um, there was the, the three guys out of cream. Uh, in which dressing room? In the, in the band Zappa, dressing room. The Zappa area? Yeah, but in one of the dressing rooms. There, there was, were all kinds of dressing There were so many of us in that show. Yeah, they had, uh, the, what's his name? Um, Eric Clapton? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um, the drummer, remember, Ginger Baker. Right, right. And Bruce... Um, Bruce uh, I don't remember all the. Bruce, I was never a Jack fan of Bruce Green. on bass okay. and Eric Clapton on guitar. They're all three of them are sitting there on a bench. There's no one else in the room. Randy and I walk in, and I asked the three of them. I said, "Listen, you guys are doing so great. You know, do you guys want to be in a movie?" Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. And they all looked at each other. Okay. <laughs> I said, that's great. And and, well, how do I get a hold of you? Oh, my. And so they wrote down <laughs> the phone number and stuff of management and whatever and yeah. how to get a hold of them and then we had a short discussion after that and then Randy and I walked out. You didn't see the GTOs play? Uh, we saw the GTOs okay. play. Yeah. Okay, good. Oh yeah, we did. Because I'm sure I saw you out there. Yeah, we, yeah, of course we saw you play. It was a great, <laughs> it was a great show and uh, that, was, that was fun stuff. It was like family, you know, back, yeah. back then. Yeah, it was. So, we were all one. Yeah. We really believed in all that love stuff back then, didn't we? Yeah, it's it's like um, we were all stuck. It's like Velcro, like it's, you know, we just hung out together. And yeah, there was a a, a a certain group of people, a bunch yeah. of peace-loving freaks, huh? And I got arrested on what's that police station just down the street from the Whiskey Gogo? Oh, the San Vicente. Station. Yeah, San yeah. Vicente. Yeah, because I had Hunter Freeman. He owned that El Capone type of style of body, like it's like station wagon, but older from 1939 or something. And it's like a panel truck station wagon, and it had all painted up with an American flag. Will pot be legalized? And all wow. kinds of skeletons. Way ahead of his time. Everybody <laughs> painted on it and stuff, and this and that. Yeah. And I used that. I asked Hunter Freeman if I could use that his that car that vehicle, and um, to pick up some amplifiers, you know, I needed to bring it over to the whiskey. He said, sure, take it. I drove it, and then it was the only driver, and I drove it down San Vicente and got pulled over. Yeah. And they said, you know, they stopped me and they made me get out of the car. And I told them, I said, I just got out of the mental home. <laughs> if, if you wanna be, get right down to it. So, <laughs> If you guys want to arrest me or take me in, that's cool. But, you know, I just want to let you know I'm out of the mental home and now I'm in your hands. <laughs> so you want says, yeah, we're going to take you down to the station. Uh, why? What had you done? Uh, nothing. I just driving that. And but, they searched the vehicle. Oh, okay. And, and earlier that day, there was a, a music store. I'm trying to remember the big music store on... Santa Monica Boulevard, uh, I'll remember in a minute, but uh, I had bought, I wanted to add to the effects of the stuff going on in the pusher, I bought a whole, a beautiful set of bird whistles. Okay. Like I had a Cherokee, I had like, I had like a, you know, like a nightingale. Oh I had my an God, owl, Nick, you and birds. And I had a whole, like all these silver, like they're all in a, like in a, in a row in a beautifully laid out black box like silverware. Yeah. Like you know you open a box of silverware. Yeah. Except forks and knives, you had like little bird whistles. <laughs> right. And so I'm back at the at San Vicente station at lunch break with all these guys, these cops back there. But they took their hats off and they asked. They kind of asked, "Yeah, you don't mind if we, but." Try these out. Like, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, uh. It sounded like a bird Avery in there. Uh, uh, I can't believe this story. You it's, crazy, it's like freaking stories, Nick. 
There's all these people and stuff going on. But oh, hey, let me, let, let, let me try that one there. <laughs> let me try that. Let me try yours. I like that. What were you uh, arrested for that night? They put handcuffs on me and took me in. It was during the day because we were doing sound check and I needed mm-hmm. to, you know, get stuff back and forth yeah. to, the, to the whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> and um, they took me. And now they're all blown on my bird whistles. <laughs> so it went back back to the police station there with all the benches, you know, some are having lunch and the rest of them are all blowing whistles. <laughs> so, oh my god, Nick. So they you know, gave them, they gave them back to me. They didn't they took the handcuffs off me and let me go. So they liked you, you see. They found well, out that you that you were And I had one of those long caftans on. Oh, I remember when you wore those long dresses. Yeah, that, you were the most. He was God, the most beautiful man alive. I was so obsessed with you, Nick. You oh, know that. They, they had uh, uh, those dresses. They. Uh, <laughs> I will. I will let you wear all of Caftans. them. Caftans. 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 Yeah, he used to wear these long, beautiful things with gold embroidery and all that, and he had this incredibly long incredibly gorgeous long curly blonde hair you were such a beauty you're still very handsome nick oh thank you uh, I, uh you are too you're beautiful <laughs> you, haven't, you haven't changed a bit oh god you're still that's the not same true pamela and i remember your mom had a rock collection <laughs> yeah you know and i used to i used to remember looking at the rocks yeah and You'd have them on a mantle. Yes, that's right. I remember at your house. Wow. Reseda. That's when I was in Reseda. Yeah, so Reseda. I'm back in Reseda now. Yeah. Uh-huh. I've come full circle. Where's uh, Devonshire Downs? It is up north. North from here? North of here, right? God, uh-huh. Devonshire Downs. Because Devonshire is north, the street. So, yeah, that that was a place where... Bands played back then. It doesn't exist anymore. You know that, right? No, I, fi- I figured probably knock it down. Yeah. You know, they yeah. knock everything that's worthwhile. Yeah. They knock it down and build, especially in this town, another dry cleaning place. Yeah, or, or worse. Yeah. Well, yeah. I want to get before we have to say adios. I want to get to your new band, and how long? Well, okay. After Steppenwolf, what happened? After Steppenwolf. Um, and after time, after time, then Steppenwolf ceased to exist, and I'm at home. Now I'm still there with Randy, living on Hollywood Hills Road. Was she your first wife? Yeah. How many have you had? Five. Oh, <laughs> okay. And you're not married now, though, right? Or are you? No. Oh no. Okay. Um. So they, uh, I was up in, um, like, still the band was done, time was done, Damien was done, Stepmove was done, everything was done. Right. Except one night, Danny Hutton from Three Dog Night Mm -hmm. and Bruce uh, Derringer. uh, Rick Derringer? Rick Derringer. Uh huh. And, Ibicus Theta and Robin Myers, these two guys I did not know. Oh, yeah, they I were remember. from um they were from San Francisco 
and the, 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 the black singer looked like Jimi Hendrix's little sister. Mm. And mm-hmm. I remember, and they needed a bass player, and I needed a band. Mm-hmm. We figured, okay, we'll put this thing together. We played, and it sounded good. And the singer, like he wrote most of the songs, and we started playing out. And I figured they were called Nazgul. Won't work. I said, <laughs> I said, that's How would Nazgul. you even spell that? No, Nazgul, it's, uh, that's, uh, you know, that's, we kind of come up with something else. When I look at Ipicus Theta and I see him and I'm looking at him, I said, the name of the band is Queen. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I <clears throat> figured not Homecoming Queen or Queen of the Ball. No, it's just Queen. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. And I, I went down to, and I registered the name of doing business as, and they gave it to me, Secretary of State, gave it, gave it, got all the clearances and this and that, whatever. And then we started rehearsing and playing out. We mm. played the Whiskey as Queen. Mm-hmm. I and remember. We played uh, several colleges and um, as Queen. And then one day, uh, there was no Ibicus Theta. He left? He disappeared, right? He disappeared. Right. He disappeared for over 22 years. Right. <laughs> right. And I'm I'm in a house in Ventura, uh-huh. gone full circle, get the phone call. I said, who is this? He says, Ibicus. Uh, Ibicus Theta. And There's only says, one, right? Yes. He <laughs> says, oh, good. I'm glad to hear you're still alive. Who are you? New York? Okay, good. I hung up. I didn't want to talk to him because I knew and I had heard that there was rumors going around that because Seda was bought off. He had a lot of money come in to Mm -hmm. him, and they Mm -hmm. took him out of my band. They took him out of the Queen band. It was Mm -hmm. just Robin Myers and me left. Mm -hmm. And somebody had given Ibicus Seda a lot of money and then a few months later, I was told there's a poster of Queen, which was now legal to for someone to came, come along. You either use it or you lose it. And you lose it if you don't uh, use it. For certain so years, So I didn't years, lose right? it. Yeah. I didn't, I mean, I didn't use it, so I lost it to a group in England. And my theory is that somehow, because it was always strangers out by the house in the front yard at Hollywood Hills Road, along right. with Kim Fowley and R- Roddy Bingenheimer, and then the Cockettes from yeah. San Francisco. I know you had a wild house. It drove, out, it drove Randy nuts. All all made, made <laughs> up and silver lipped and all yeah. this good stuff and yep. so on. And they gave us a lot of support, but there's nothing that we could do with the name Queen disappearing. So did they all the hanger honors and the name of the band like became a new queen from England. Right. And so my theory is that they had taken him out. They purchased and take him out of the band so that there there would be no queen and they would get the use of the name. Yeah. Yeah. It's the only way that they could use the name would be was to take the singer out, even to though take it was the singer your, out. Even though pay you off. but you're the one who owned it, right? Right. I owned it and I did business at DBA yeah. business as Queen. Yeah. And then I do remember that. Uh, I'm sitting at him and all of a sudden I get a call saying I should go down to 
Tower Records and look at the poster in the window, which I did. I hopped on my Triumph, my motorcycle. Yeah, I remember riding it. Yeah, and I went down there and <laughs> uh, I looked at the poster. I said, that's not Queen. That's not us. I said, uh-oh. I, and I didn't know enough. I didn't know then Such what I know now that yeah. I could have easily have changed things and... And sued and, them, <clears throat> right? Huh? Sued them. You sued could have them, sued them. Or, or either or join the, the band. Yeah. <laughs> have them lease the name or sell it to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because oh. in, in the history of Queen, you know, there's Freddie Mercury said that when he first heard the name Queen, it felt like somebody brought him the information about Queen right, and right. thought it would be perfect for their, I mean, they were just awesome. What a, what a, Incredible yeah. band. Yes, no, yes. You can't take that away from them. But the name Queen, they took that away from me. I know. That's and, a horrible you know, name. They, they were nasty. And um, there was little I could do to change things. Yeah. I'm sorry. So just, well, it's one of those things you, you win, you lose, and you go sideways, upside, downside, every which way when you're in the yeah. music business. Yeah. Anything goes, and yep. there's a, still a lot of pile of things that happened along the way, some comical things that happened prior to my starting World Classic Rockers. I know you have so many stories, but I know you have a time frame, and it's you have to be somewhere. Yeah, we could do part so, two. Yeah, we could do part two one day, absolutely, yeah. but I want to hear about World Classic Rockers before we go. Okay, World Classic Rockers in 1997, um, there was no hope for any uh anything i felt i would want to get see if i could find i got invited to go to fort lauderdale and participate with um others like from there was a guy there from aerosmith there was a guy from fog hat there was mm -hmm. a guy from like from several different bands and they were all on the same stage donating their time to the Toys for Tot run in Fort Lauderdale. And I did that run, mm -hmm. and the crowd was good. We had about 50,000 people out there, and they all had a good time. And on my flight home, um, I thought, well, geez, if I did this uh, on a permanent basis, I could maybe land a gig doing just this, showing up with guys from different bands yeah, yeah. all on one stage and one concept. And then I took that idea and went to Las Vegas, set up my booth. I got, to make a long story short, I got all my, all whatever it took to get a booth at the International Fair Convention in Las Vegas at the uh, Hilton. Uh-huh. And uh, with all the agencies, William Morris and the rest of them and the management companies and everybody, there was country, there was, there was country, rock and roll, you name it, it was there, all get trying to get booked and people looking to book things. And they looked at mine. I had a big 800 number, and mm. I called it, I don't know, what are we doing? We're playing classic rock music. What do we call it? World Classic Rockers <laughs> would sound better than World Class Rockers. That's mm. assuming huh. a role, and I don't want to assume a role. So, And I didn't want to sign any contracts like all the attorneys in Hollywood told me to sign everybody. And I said, I, said, I don't want to sign anybody. Everybody's an independent contractor to come and go as they please. And if they don't want to come, that's fine. 
and they will only show up if they really want to play. And I want to, I want people that want to play and get paid to play. And so I got my first round. I had Michael Monarch from Steppenwolf, <laughs> and great. I got Bobby Kimball from Toto, the lead singer. I got Danny Lane from Wings, uh-huh. and then Danny Sywell, the drummer from Wings. And I got Randy Meisner from the Eagles, and um, we came together and played a few dates. I was, by the way, at the convention, everybody turned me down. I was like flat. Huh. We don't want to do it because we've tried this before, Nick. Try to do something else. Get a job or do something. But don't, <laughs> don't try this. The World Classic Rocks, it'll never work. Well, when I went back, you know, and I put this last show together at the Billboard Club on Sunset Boulevard and into the green room after the show walks Kevin White and Chris Burke. Chris Burke is the head of the corporate department mm. over at William Morris Agency. Ah. And Kevin White was busy um, he in a sports and entertainment business, you know, selling commodities to uh, film companies like Coca-Cola in a movie or yeah, yeah. somebody something in a movie. And so the two of them are best friends. And they, they asked me, they said, Nick, in the green room after they saw the show at the billboard, they said, Nick, uh, would you be interested in doing uh, other shows or doing shows? I said, or corporate shows. Corporate shows, I know. And I had to turn around, I almost broke my neck. And <laughs> I said, what? what's a corporate show? What? Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll do them. <laughs> we'll yeah. do corporate shows. Yeah. And um, so uh, since that night and... Now we have done over 900 corporate shows. That's amazing. All over the world, Hong Kong. I know, he's turned this into some incredible business. I'm just so proud of you. Yeah. And it's good, too. I've seen you guys. Yes, I've seen uh, that uh, Ainsley Dunbar, yeah. the drummer from Journey. We have Randy Meisner, unfortunately, is, isn't with us anymore, but the lead singer of Boston. Uh, Frank huh. Cosmo, the lead uh. singer of Kansas, uh, John Elefante. Then we have Leonard Skinner, uh, Randall Hall. I know. We have Michael Monarch still with us. Oh, you do? Guitar. Tell yeah. him hi for me. Yeah. <laughs> and then Greg Walker, who was with Carlos Santana for 12 years. Um, so they're all in the same band, and we've yeah. been together for since 1997. That's... Uh, about uh, 21 years, of, so and I don't have anybody signed. Nobody's there's no signatures yeah. any, anywhere. Yeah, everybody's, you're doing it your way. Everybody's gotten paid for what they did. And yeah, I've never shorted anybody, and they've always gotten every dime. I'm sure and, Nick. on time, and so. And, and you keep playing in these gigs, right? We have a date coming up in two <laughs> weeks, in May 4th, at uh, the. A Microsoft Theater in downtown Los Angeles. Wow, really? Yeah. But regular people can't go, right? I'm not sure what it is, but I'll let you know. <laughs> you yeah. have to be a corporate person to see I'll, your gigs. I'll let now. you know. Okay, yeah, what, I'd love to see is. you play locally. That would be so cool. Yeah. Okay, awesome. It's been so fun to talk with you. Huh. I found out things I didn't even know after knowing you all these years. Oh. 
I want to close out with one of the time songs. Okay. This band was so incredible. Now, which one? Finders Keepers? Should we close with that? Yeah, we can play Finders Keepers. Losers, okay. Weepers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> okay, here's Finders Keepers. that dolls you can't shut the guy up which is a good thing he has so much to say and has such an incredible memory you know I what I just love the story about you know Rick James and having to wear the dress like a minor bird that is so crazy he has so many crazy stories and we're going to get some more of them one of these days so thank you so much for listening and um, next time I think you're going to be able to hear some of my writers in my writing workshop here in LA I've decided to have them read some of the pieces they write in class just so you can hear what we're up to here so I think that's what next time you're going to be able to sit in on one of my writing workshops okay this is Miss Pamela's words of wisdom for the day I just want you to take a look in the mirror and kiss it Okay, just love yourself like you love all these other people in your life and realize that you are just as important, maybe more so because you live inside yourself than all those other people. So please just look in the mirror and smile at yourself today and give it a smooch. Okay, until next time, I am Miss Pamela and you've just been to my pajama party. Keep up with all I do at PamelaDaybar.com and interact with me on Instagram at the Pamela Day Bar. Okay, dolls. Bye. Yeah, hey. Come on. Yeah, nah, nah. I like to dream. Come on, yes, yes. Rock between the sun and shade. On a cloudy Saturday in the night. In a place of gold is right. Hey, diggers, Christian Swain here with a short pause for a great cause. 
We believe music education for young people is an investment in a better future for all of us. If you listen to our podcasts, chances are you agree. Little Kids Rock has transformed the lives of more than 650,000 public school students by bringing music education into their schools. Little Kids Rock trains teachers in underfunded schools to teach kids the music they love, from the Beatles to Bruno Mars, Led Zeppelin to Lady Gaga, Chuck Berry to Chance the Rapper. Little Kids Rock has become a national movement to restore, expand, and innovate music education in public schools across America. Visit littlekidsrock.org and learn more about how you can help put music where it belongs, in our schools. Thank you, and let's keep up the rockin' right into the next generation. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at R&R Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points. 